All right, so as you know, just kind of on the lighthearted side right now, I had jaw surgery about a month ago, and I'm, I'm very pleased, by the way, about the results, although, you know, it, it's a little harder to talk, uh, a little painful sometimes, but I, I must say it's, uh, I'm glad that I did it, and I had a very good uh, doctor surgeon do it. He's one of the most famous of all surgeons in this area. Um, but people have asked me, and they're wondering, because I, I get emails, you know, are you okay? You know, what happened? Uh, it's a long story, uh, but I will summarize it as follows. That, uh, you know, when your wife asks you whether this dress, dress makes her look good, the answer is always, yes, sweetheart, it, it makes you look great. That's it. That's my story. And, and you know, I learned the hard way. That's, that's it. Okay, now, moving on. Well, you didn't know you left something out. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Okay. Okay. Leave it to Ari. Never leave the tennis equipment by the door when you have that conversation. I don't know if it's that much funnier when you said that, Ari. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to give people <laughs> advice. No sharp objects, no heavy objects, yes, nothing yes. to hit you in the jaw with. All right, so All right. let's talk about uh, there's so many bizarre things going on right now. One of the most impressive gaffe machines I've ever witnessed in my life. I mean, people talk about Trump uh, having said this or that, and wow, he, you know, he's not accurate about this, and maybe he's even lying on that. Uh, and then, of course, they, they, they go a little too far, and they say he's racist, you know, because why not? Uh, but, but Joe Biden is a man of incalculable talents when it comes to his ability to gaff, gaff, and gaff. Um, his inability to remember anything. Uh, he's gotten all sorts of bizarre positions that he has to s switch back and forth from. Um, he has entered into the race of the Democratic primary. And, and that's fine. Uh, everyone, I think he was drafted to go. Fine, it's spectacular. So he's leading the pack by, by far still. And, you know, I have some predictions about that going forward, but we, I don't want to talk about that right now. What I do want to talk about is he seems to be like not only a deer in the headlights, like it's as almost as if you were to ask him, sir, do you, how, how does it feel to be a Democratic nominee for the presidency of the United States? I, I half expect him to say, I'm running for president of the United States. Oh, okay. You know, he, he's, he seems so unaware of his own surroundings. One thing is for sure. He's very unaware of what the Democratic platform has become. He doesn't know. Uh, all these positions have gone so far to the left and he, he understands, he's hearing that these things are happening, but I don't know, it's like, it's like uh, he's driving a car and, and uh, everyone's going the wrong way <laughs> on the freeway, and he's kind of slowly realizing, you know, after a lot of people are honking at him and blinking at their lights, you know, you're going the wrong way, and then, and, you know, okay, I guess I'll start turning now, but he still is questioning what, what, where, what his direction should be. Okay. He, in the meantime, he also has so many different contradictory positions. Je Joe Biden is a man who simply showed up to the Senate, and he voted here and there. He took positions here and there, but I don't think he ever really thought about what he was actually voting for or against. You know, I, don't, I don't think he even remembers what he voted for or against. And, and the, the uh, record that he has is so contradictory whether it's gay marriage, whether it's dealing with Iran, whether it's dealing with Iraq, whether it's dealing with minimum wage or abortion or anything, whatever the issue is, 
Joe has been on not just two sides of the issue, but as many many sides as he possibly can be on the issue. Well, he was always on the right side of every issue at the moment he needed to be on the right side of the right, issue. But, but he, I mean is, he even went against uh, the, the, the Persian Gulf War. No, no, no. He was always on the side of the issue the media and his party wanted him to be on at the moment. Yes. Right? So when in 2006... When Bush was talking about amnesty, he was a border hawk. Right. Right? That's right. When when it came time to ban assault weapons, he was into assault weapons bans. When hunting was popular, he wanted you to have any gun you wanted. Right. You know, he wanted school busing when it became popular two weeks ago. He was against it ten years ago. You right. know. So so he is but emblematic it, yeah. of the contradictions of the left. You know, and, and that to me is the biggest challenge in dealing with Democrats, right? It, it's just keeping up with their contradictions. It's too hard. I don't, I, I, I get whiplash every time I'm trying to argue with them. But you said this, but now you're saying not this. You know, you said why, now not why, and so on. I mean, it applies to what you just, you know, the issues that you just mentioned. It's not just Joe Biden. I mean, if it was just Joe Biden, I mean, that's not, the podcast doesn't really care about Joe Biden. I don't think even Joe Biden's going to be the nominee, not because he's going to lose uh, momentum, but because people are just not going to be interested in him, and he himself is not interested. It, it's going to show eventually. I think Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris is is going to rise to the top and uh, be the nominee, and then then they'll lose against Trump. But that's another story. Look, they flip flopped on virtually every issue I can think of. Uh, you you brought the border wall and immigration in general. That's it's a hundred percent right. They've been all over the map on that. Uh, they've been all over the map on abortion, you know, safe, rare, and legal, right? Well, now it's not safe. Uh, you know, it's just see the Gosnell story. Uh, certainly not rare. And uh, the legal part, well, they're trying to make we'll it as make legal. It legal. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, <laughs> right. they're going to make everything legal. <laughs> yeah, that's another story. Uh, they were uh, up and down on the on the high taxes and the, and on minimum wage, for that matter. They were up and down on Israel. Uh, they're up and down on voting fraud and yeah. you know mechanics they of were voting. They against gay marriage until they found out that we should reach a point of singularity and only have one bathroom. Right. Exactly. You know, yeah. Of course. It, it's really a little related to that. Is um, I'm watching ESPN yesterday. This is going to no, be I, a long tangent. No, this is no, no, no. You, stop, you, stop, you, stop, 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 stop. I want to continue on with list. I, I you, okay, you, 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 your, your tangents tell, are hard to come back from. Okay. You see, this is why we love each other. We're like an old married couple. All right. So, in addition to it's other felt contradictions, like fifty years and it's only been twelve. <laughs> so, there is the hatred of Christianity, but the love of Islam. Okay, so it's that's a, it's a wild contradiction. They anytime there's anything that might be religious uh, for in favor of Islam, they're for it. But if it's in favor of Christianity, they're against it. Okay? Unless it's Mayor Pete's version of hybridized, gay-friendly Christianity. Well, yeah, no. Uh, then he's you know, co-opting Christianity. He's exactly. Using, yeah. It's, right, so, it's not real Christianity. So, so here's another kind of they, they love their, their free speech, or at least the concept of it, except when it offends them. Yeah. Meaning anything that opposes their, their concept. So... Uh, if you are against a gay marriage, well, then that's hate speech. If you're against affirmative action, that's hate speech. If you're um, for the border wall, then then you're racist and so forth, right? So, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I talked to a liberal friend of mine, a younger younger person, and uh, I was explaining about um, the different 
uh, the, the way that free speech works in America, the First Amendment. And, you know, I, I have a good degree of... Oh, how dare you explain anything? <laughs> I, I mansplained it to her, right? Yeah. So anyway, I, I explained, because I have a good degree of experience in the First Amendment, it's, what I like about the First Amendment, it's, it's very accessible, but you have to know it. So I, I, I started telling her, you know, free speech is the right to say whatever you want, right? But there are some restrictions. And I gave her the, the three classic uh, ex- exceptions. One is defamation, of course. Um, and even that, it's hard to, to, to prove and to push. Um, you, uh, you cannot uh, say, you know, fire in a crowded theater. It's called fighting words. And then finally, there's time, place, and manner restrictions, such as, you know, you can't go up and down a private uh, road and start screaming at 2 o'clock in the morning how you love Obama or how you love Trump with, you know, one-man band with, you know, a, a buzz, you know harm, a harmonica and, uh, and drums and everything else. There's a time, place, and manner. You can say whatever you want. But you're not being. You don't disturb the peace. Right. You're you're not. They're not stopping you because of the content of your speech, but the time, place, and the manner with which you're expressing yourself. And I said those are the three classic, uh, you know, challenges. And of course, pornography and um, things that are highly offensive to the community in that sense, that that are not necessarily uh, speech, as it were. And then she said, uh, "Yeah, and 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 anything that might trigger anybody." And I said, whoa, you do not have an understanding. I mean, they literally taught her in college, she's young, that uh, words that might trigger somebody can't be said. And let's so, def- let's define triggering, which is very useful because no one ever defines it. That means it makes me feel a certain way. Right. And, and it could be, let's just say... Um, you look deep into my eyes as we have an espresso, and you say something <laughs> that makes me in the mood. That's definitely that's a definition of triggering, right? So that's what she's talking about. Sometimes I worry about Ari David. I like him, but I worry about him. He's a nice guy. Anyway, yeah, but you just want to be friends. <laughs> I really I do. I really do. Is that okay with you? I don't want to trigger you about this. My just be friends suggestion I don't that just might trigger have you. Friends. <laughs> Everything with me is more and has benefits. It's binary for you. Yeah. But, but the idea that an emotional reaction of any type. Yeah. I, I mean, because what is this? Okay, let's just say she opens up the New York Times. And the screaming headline is St. Greta of Thunberg coming on her solar-powered yacht to describe the horrors of global warming and that Obama's mansion in Martha's Vineyard is going to be underwater, right? Yes. Wouldn't that news trigger her yes okay but we're not we're not i don't want to delve too deeply into uh that the triggering uh, right, but we're agreeing i'm talking about the distinction nonsense. i'm trying to talk about right. the contradictions yeah so that's just one example of the contradictions and so many other things and you're constantly going back and forth like wow i mean i you know the gay marriage thing like we just talked about uh suddenly it's it's just bizarre it, it, the he she thing for example when you're supposed to say your name Oh, pronoun uh, pronouns. policing. Well, not yes. just pronoun policing, but also the notion that, uh, you know, you, you shouldn't refer to yourself as straight anymore. You're a cisgender uh, if, you're, if you're otherwise straight. You know, they, they want to change all your language. And now they, they, they thought that was absurd once upon a time. But now they think that's, you know, if you don't think like that, well, then you're absurd. It's, it's upside down, then. It's, it's 1984. We, we're at war with Eurasia. We've always been at war with Eurasia, right? Or, oh, no, uh, yeah, Oceania. We're at war with Oceania. Oceania, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's weird. Uh, but the contradictions, I think, I think, Ari, that is the hardest thing to do, just keeping up with their contradictions. You know, because we, we can do, when, when, uh, when Obama talks about, or when people talk about Obama's scandal-free presidency, like, okay, <laughs> like, that's a little bit of a contradiction. 
It's a huge contradiction. It's a flat-out lie. It's a flat-out lie. I mean, yeah. just like, okay, sexual con- um, scandals? Okay, probably not. But everything else, yeah, under the sun, uh, that's imaginable has been a scandal. Yeah, he's at the, at such the a scandal-ridden presidency. We're three years into the Trump presidency still dealing with Obama scandals. That's... <laughs> That's, that's, that's some weird. scandal. It's weird. Because when, when George Bush became president, we no longer were dealing with Clinton scandals, were we? Other than some missing silverware. Right, exactly right. right. Listen. Uh, uh, hold on. That's, uh, don't, don't do anything to recording. That's just um, the um, uh, good folks of L.A. No, saving no, people. No, somebody's been triggered. Right. And then it took so long for the fire trucks to go by because in L.A. they made them go in the bike lane. <laughs> All right. All right, so no, look, so so here, here we go. The, the, so the, the contradictions are challenging in and of itself. But do you, have you noticed something, Ari? This is something because I deal with. We deal in West LA, especially with a lot of leftists. We deal with a lot of liberals, generally speaking. Have you noticed that they never ask you? About your positions, knowing that you're conservative, they never ask of you. Of course not, because they, they they've already made their mind. That's you've just gotten to the core of the great men are from Mars, women are from Jupiter, kind of whatever it is um, issue between liberals and conservatives, which is they will tell us their positions, but then they tell us ours too. Yeah, I know, I know. So again, that they say you believe X, you believe Y, yes. and we believe Y, and then they, of course, whatever, however they portray our position, it's the most cartoonish, uh, straw man possible argument. So, for example, I was talking to a, uh, a liberal friend of mine via email, actually, and I, uh, he was talking about how the greatest issue for the time being is the real issue is global warming or climate change, as he called it, and I said, whoa, the, the climate change is such a hoax, and I, and I, I presented to him my typical five questions that need to be explained before we go ahead and completely alter the infrastructure of the entire world, uh, such as, you know, what, what's our percentage of contribution to this climate change? Because uh, if it's only 2% and it's naturally 98%, then it's not really meaningful. Uh, then to the extent that it is a meaningful amount, um, you know, can, what's the amount of sea level rise? Uh, if it's only, you know, one a hundredth of a millimeter, I don't think that's significant and we shouldn't do anything about it. If it's 20 feet, then it's, then it's something well, more serious. what did serious. this person say? So I, can, I, you know, I had a whole list of things, including yes. can we do anything about it? There's two other issues. And it, rather than responding to it, he said, listen, uh, I, I trust the scientists. Like, well, that begs the question. Which you know, scientists? Which scientists are doing trust? it? You know, it's a, it's, it, it goes into the other question that I want to raise. But that's, the point is, with scientists, of course, like you just said. But the way he portrayed my argument is to say, I, we believe that we have a responsibility to the earth and we are contributing to uh, changes in the earth which will uh, have devastating consequences. You, meaning me, Barack, believe that scientists are in a great conspiracy to fool us all. Like, and, and he just says it blithely as if, you know, like he summarized it nicely. And yeah. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not the scientists that are in conspiracy. Whoever said that? I ne- I've never said that. I said you've picked and cho- chosen different so-called scientists who among, among them are dentists who express their opinion. There's plenty of liberal dentists out there. There's plenty of liberal chiropractors, plenty of li- liberal uh, astrologers and otherwise 
who you know can, can put themselves under the rubric of a scientist. They never say climate scientists, by the way, or climatologists. It's always scientists. So they want you to think one thing, but of course, in fact, they're not. They're not actually being real because it had it been. 97% of climatologists, they would have said climatologists, right? By yeah. definition. It's too, too easy to, to bust these things. Um, so uh, this is the kind of straw men that they bring up. But the most important thing is, and, and, and wait for it yourselves, guys. When you are, if you're a listener, if you're a conservative, take note. They, have you noticed how they never ask you, the conservative guy, why you believe in what you believe. Please explain to me, for example, why you think minimum wage of $15 is not a good idea. Can you, can you please, because he's thinking, because you're just greedy and that you're in the tank for you know, big corporations and you want to hurt the little guy. That's what he's thinking. So he needs to ask you, you seem like a nice guy. You know, why, why should I not be for $15 an hour? Okay, why? But, but said no liberal ever, right? Uh, likewise with, with taxes, likewise with you know, heavy regulations, likewise with affirmative action, likewise with the immigration and the border crisis and so on like that, likewise with gay marriage, like whatever, all these issues. They just don't ask you why. They've decided why you believe it. They've decided because you're, um, you're a yokel and you're a racist or you're stupid or you're greedy, probably a combination of all of them, Right. And, uh, and, and you hate gays also. That's the reason why you believe all the things you believe. But they've never asked you about yeah, that. Yeah, well, they also go a step further. And the step further, and this is what I think is so important, is that no matter what you say, they, no matter how well um, you've thought it through or right. how well you say it, right. anytime you say anything, that has the possibility of being well-argued, logical, and reasonable, they then superimpose a judgment upon it that what you've just said is not so because you are one of the variables of troglodyte you just mentioned, <laughs> usually all at once, yeah. and whichever one is convenient, most convenient to undermine whatever you've said and not listen to you, and then they superimpose what you really say. So it goes something like this. Barack, blah, 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 big problem. You then say, whether it's minimum wage, climate change, whatever, this is my opinion. Their response is, no, that's not really what you believe. I know what you really believe. You're a Klan member, but you're not telling me you're a Klan that's member. Right. Just tell me you're a Klan member. I, I've dealt with this directly. Of course, of way. course, of course. And, and as a result, since you're a Klan member, and I know you're a Klan member... I no longer have to listen to any blabber you might say as excuses for your clan membership. Well, this is what Dennis Prager because talks about all the time. Earth and Dennis Prager talks about this all the time, and, and he's right, which is like they've decided that you're a Nazi or a fascist or, or whatever. And therefore, why would you give uh, you know, any podium for a Nazi or a fascist to speak? Because after all, they're a Nazi or a fascist. And that's why Antifa and all these leftists who decide to destroy buildings and uh, have room to destroy and such, they feel entitled because, after all, they're dealing fascists, and fascists must be stopped at all levels. You know, because they, if, if they really believed, and they do, that fascists are taking over the country because, after all, MSNBC has told them so, then 
uh, yeah, you, you better go out there and fight the good fight, man. All means man. are necessary. All means That's necessary. That's right. And the fact that they, in, it, what's so interesting is that if you looked at the Nazis, the real Nazis, the Nazis never covered up what they, once they had power, they never covered up what they did. Well, okay. You know, I, Jews, I, I, trains I, go, I, right? I want to move so, on. To, no, 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 I want to move on to something else. So the point is, and, and let, let me make this very clear, that the... You know, this notion of equating conservatives with Nazis or fascists, for generally speaking, such an absurd scenario because fascism was all about big government. Fascism was about uh, inhibiting free speech, com- completely controlling free speech. Fascism was, was not about limited government. It was not about freedom. It was not about, uh, you know, individual, um, the power of the individual. It was exactly the opposite. But, you know, it's a narrative that they've been pushing since the, since the 60s. And like um, so many other things that have just simply ultimately failed, uh, it keeps on echoing throughout the decades, like the population bomb, like the AIDS crisis is somehow you know, equally uh, dangerous to heterosexuals as it is to, to gays, uh, like, uh, like climate change. Uh, that right. somehow it keeps that, on going. Or that being tough on crime causes crime. Right, exactly or, right. Or yeah. any other number of things. Or we've got a homelessness crisis. What can we do? We've exhausted all options. <laughs> right. How about some but, capitalism? No, no, we can't do that. That's right, not right. an option. Right. And, right? The, and, and that minimum wage always works and, and uh, building houses and shelters for homeless works. None of these things do, but over and over again, they, they still, it, it, it keeps on echoing through the, the, the ages. And it's, it's, a, it's a falsity. It's complete. Uh, it's not a, not a non sequitur. It's simply false. Um, they they want to pin fascism and Nazism upon the conservatives, and even some conservatives have bought it. Um, you know, he's so he's so conservative that he might as well be a fascist. You know, that's how conservative he is. Like, oh, as if you know, going going that far right means that you're going to be ultimately a fascist. As if being that much more moderate leads to extremism. Right. Because conservatism as a defined ethos is, by definition, moderating. Well, look, right? I'll, I'll tell you, because fascism and communism are really one and the same. They, they have, uh, they're completely, the government control of every aspect of industry, they're exactly the same with one small and very unimportant difference. Communism saw, divided the world in terms of class, right? So the, the proletariat and the bourgeoisie and, and then, of course, the nobility. The party. The party. So they, that, that's how they viewed the world. And they felt that the working class would all unite, workers of the world unite, blah, blah, blah. That didn't work out too well. Uh, so, but, and, and Mussolini saw that. He was originally a communist. Uh, but Mussolini said, you know what? A better paradigm to look at is, uh, is, is nationhood. He saw that nationalities united so that's where he got the whole nationhood. That's where fascism was born. Uh, but it's exactly the same thing otherwise. So the, the rallying cry uh, is, is the only difference. One is about the working class, and the other one is about nationhood. No, one's and about, that, one's and about no, gulags, and the other is about concentration camps. Right, right, right. And I dare any of you're, you you're, to find you're, a difference. You're, right? you're being cheeky, and I get that. But, yeah, not. That's the, yeah, no, my point, but, they're but the let, same. Let me emphasize it, because I think you just derailed me here. I'm simply saying to you, that there is no distinction between fascism and communism. It is a distinction solely of, of color. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's like uh, I don't know. Your iPhone is no different um, than than mine necessarily, other than the, the case that it, that covers it. That's it. That's yeah. the only difference. It's it's not a different iPhone. Okay. Uh, the extreme of leftism is fascism slash communism it, because they're the same thing. Like I just said, the extreme of being conservative is not. 
either of those things, it's anarchy. That's the extreme, where you say, you know what? I don't believe in government control of anything. Well, that means you don't have any law and order at all. That's anarchy, right? So that would be the, the correct extreme of a conservative. Uh, none of us hold that position. We, we understand the need for law and order. In fact, we support our police dramatically uh, and our military and so on. The things that are absolutely essential government functions, uh, which is ironic because you would think that the left would support government functions like the police and the military, but they don't. They only do if the police are headed by James Comey, apparently, when convenient. <laughs> Understand? They, they were against the police when James Comey was the head of the FBI and Trayvon Martin happened and the FBI refused to prosecute Zimmerman. But now that Comey was engaged in a conspiracy against Donald Trump, he's the greatest police chief of the federal cops ever. Right? Right. So it's all convenience. But what I wanted to say real fast is, remember you were talking about the girl who thought restrictions on free speech including tr include triggering. Right, not being triggered. What else could fascism be other than that? Of course. So the point is, the very people, as we've discussed over and over again, who accuse us of being the fascists are the fascists. Right. And they refuse through their blind spots to ever listen to us as we try to inform them of their own fascosity. So this uh, falls under the category of the you don't say department. I, I agree, of course. And and what is triggered, right? I mean, if you are, if, you know, everyone thinks about their own uh, being triggered, their own individual self being triggered. But why not the government being triggered, right? Uh, you know, Nazi Germany and fascist uh, Italy and, for that matter, uh, communist Soviet Union, uh, the government was triggered when you said things that were they're contrary to the government's wishes. Constant, constant safe triggering. In fact, we have a perfect example of that today. Hong Kong is clearly triggering Beijing. Okay. Is it right? Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're moving on to something else. I, this is a, a, you know, a, a good break for this moment because I think we're about halfway through the podcast. I, I wanted to talk about something that really came to me as an epiphany a long time ago. And it's worth studying because... It relates to so many things we've been talking about today and that we've talked about in the past. And, and here it is. What is our greatest human need? Right? Most people don't even ask that question. Sometimes they'll respond, well, it's about surviving. It's about making sure that we don't die, and, and, uh, you know, which is a fair statement. But that's, that's part of our, our needs, right? I mean, you, you, don't want, you need to have food and water and Air. Uh, and air, right? And, and some sort of, you know, caring by your parents in order to grow up and to survive. Um, but God didn't put us here on earth just so that we could live the, until the next day and then the next day and so on. We, we feel like there's a distinction. Well, Democrats we, think that. But, of course, they don't believe in God. So, so we move on. To, we move on from the recent RA tangent. But anyway, uh, that, what, that's what animals do. What I just described is what animals do. That's how they think of their day-to-day -day existence. Like, how can I survive today? They, they literally wake up and say, okay, got to find some food, got to find some shelter, got to make sure that I'm not eating myself. Okay, that's their day-to-day -day existence. No animal has ever thought to himself, at least in the wild, you know, what can I accomplish today? You know, how can I be a creative zebra? Right? It, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and the only way animals engage in a, say, second level of that um, a, a understanding that tomorrow may come is, say, the old uh, squirrel collecting nuts for winter. But that's still not 
anything more than the same process. It's only survival. Just done on a slightly longer time frame. That's all it is. So it, it's, uh, yeah, they, they, they can't. I once had an argument with somebody on Facebook who literally said that uh, animals are just the same as humans in terms of their desire to create a civilization. He, he made the reference of ants building uh, anthills. I thought you were going to say because he was in Diesel Bookstore in Brentwood and saw the book, Why Cats Paint. Okay, Remember? So, did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know. so, so, so the, he said, I've seen ants create whole civilizations. Okay, you're, and I said, okay, you're an idiot. I, right. I really, I rarely do I say that to yeah, somebody. Show me their tomes. Yeah, yeah. Show me their writing, their sculpture. Yeah, yeah so, that, so they're really working for next generations and they're talking about, you know, how to improve themselves and everything else. He's no, like, I, I don't think so. He, the guy was an idiot. But, but, but he wanted to believe so badly in this notion to equate, and, and in this case, it was ants. It wasn't even animals, that, that we are the same as these animals. It, it, like not taking the breathtakingly clear distinctions between humans and animals. And this is one of them. The notion that, that we have something more than just survival. So what is the greatest human need? Here it is. That we matter. That is the greatest human need. It's not just to survive, the need to matter. And if you have God in your life, then you know that you matter to God. God sees you as infinitely valuable. And at the end of the day, all you care about is that you matter to God. But what happens if you don't have God in your life, right? What happens? Well, then you don't matter, but, obviously. Well, no, no, but that's your, the end result. Your, your, your quest to matter is still there. Whether you believe in God or not, you still have this quest to matter. So, this is why, Ari, that you end up seeing all these kids seeking out fame more than anything else. And you ask them, what do you want to be famous for? You kind of think maybe oh, a great invention, being a great singer, uh, being a great artist. No, no, they don't care about that. They just, <laughs> they just want to be famous. They just want to be famous. They want to be, you know, maybe do a YouTube video that's, that's uh, you know, seen by a million people. And then they're famous, maybe for 15 minutes, maybe for a couple of days, but whatever. That's their notion of fame, and that's what they're seeking out. They don't. They want to be famous, and they don't care why. Right. School shooters don't want to necessarily be famous for the school shooting. They just want to be famous. That's right. And that's a means to an end. That's exactly right. End. Yeah. Likewise, and this is a very powerful thing. I, I learned this from, a, uh, I guess, a sociologist who was commenting. There was a series of arson, I think about 25 years ago. And I forget where it was. It doesn't matter. And they were trying to say, you know, why do arsonists do these things? You know, why do they commit this arson? It's, and then they run away. And, and she said it not in the way we just said, but she said they are hell-bent. They, they love the notion that things happen because of something that they did. So they light a match or maybe do a, a, what do they call it, uh, an accelerator uh, in, the, in the forest or otherwise. And a bunch of people are affected by this. People have to evacuate their homes. Some people may die. Fire engines will go, woo, 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 right? And, you know, and it, it gets covered in the news, of course, like that was. That is what, Matt, that, that's what energizes them. That's right, what motivates them. The feeling them. Of, being, of mattering. Of mattering. Yeah. That, that was their uh, manifestation of mattering. That, in, obviously, in a criminal way. But nevertheless, it's still a manifestation of mattering. And I find that fascinating. And that's when it, it suddenly dawned on me that that's our greatest human need. And it could be abused, just like a gun, right? A gun could be used for good. A gun could be used for bad. And uh, fire can be used for good. And fire can be used for bad. Of course, arson. But this is why you have the mass shootings that you do. 
because a lot of them, they know they're going to be suddenly on the news. Uh, they get to uh, maybe put, a, put out a manifesto of some kind of their beliefs, and they think by shooting everyone, uh, they'll get the attention. Well, like and, they, and they do. They get their name said over and over, over and over again. Over. Yeah, it's, it's a thrill. Yeah. This is why, by the way, separately, why computer viruses exist. Most of these computer viruses, you know, putting aside the ransomware and all that stuff, most of the computer viruses you see out there have nothing to do with trying to get extract money out of you. Nothing. Very little of it is actually people robbing you, although that's, that's, it's not good either. But the viruses that are typically out there, like the I love you virus and many other different viruses that over the past few decades, they're written by young punks that just want to disrupt the world. And they want everyone to kind of be in commotion uh, because of something that they installed and because of their creativity or whatever it is, uh, what they perceive to be creativity. In fact, it's just destruction. It's, a, it's identical to the arsonist. In the same way that the arsonist wants to see destruction in the forest and otherwise, and people moving, that the computer virus guy who was con concocting a, a computer virus, that's all he wants to see too. He wants to see a bunch of mayhem yeah, and so pandemonium. You're that when someone doesn't have God in their life, is, or I think you're getting at, and I think this is a profound notion that if you have God in your life, yeah. you're a true believer, you know you matter. Right. You don't need externals, i.e. other people, telling you you matter. You, got you may achieve fame. You might achieve anonymity, whatever. But you know you matter already. Right. And if you've brought up your children to have a relationship with God, then they, too, have a chance of knowing they matter That's as right. they grow. But these people who are, if you will, raised in the atheism kills world— book by Barack Lurie, available on Amazon for paperback <laughs> or hardcover or whatever, uh, then they this this drive, like the sexual drive, the creative drive, these drives you have to survive and matter, get manifest themselves in, as they call it in the psychological world, in a disorganized manner. Yes. Well, that, that, I and think you got it. It's exactly what it is. Evil. Exactly what it is. And um, look, I... I you know, I think about Dennis Prager, for example, uh, who is, you know, of course, I, I'm just a big fan of. He's, he's great. Um, he does not seek out fame. He is famous, but not because he's seeking out the fame. He wants to get the word out of, about God, about good values, about America and so on. Prager U, for example, uh, which I'm on the board of, um, you know, it could be all about Dennis. He could do every single video if he wanted. He, he rarely does any videos. He does, I think he does like one-tenth of the videos, if that. Instead, he gets other, you know, very well-known people, people who articulate on a, on a particular subject, sometimes professors, uh, sometimes famous athletes or whatever, not, not even famous athletes, just people who are able to articulate a, a, a notion. He just wants to get the word out. He's not seeking it for money. He's not seeking it for fame. Are you saying that unlike Barack Obama, Dennis doesn't think he's better at policy than his policy people and a better artist than his artistic people and a better graphic designer than his graphic designers? You, you got it exactly right. Wow. That's, That's exactly profound. Right. You Are you been. saying that like you, like Dennis, hopefully like me, we do what we do because we love doing it. We think it serves the melange of higher purposes we believe in yeah. but we're not doing it just for the we're not doing it for fame i mean look i, I can be wow. famous I, you and i can both be famous right now if we just do something so kooky on video not even criminal i mean criminal the criminal side it would be very easy so we should just film one of our dates 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but you, you, we could put something on YouTube, and, yeah, and, and you'll be famous yeah. if you say something so crazy. Um, you know, you won't be arrested or anything. Yeah, but the, the Simpsons reference, the I didn't do it kid, right? Yeah, the, yeah. yeah exactly right. Uh, no, look, we're just interested. If you just do what you love, I mean, in, in, in the case of Dennis Prager, Ben Shapiro, my, myself, I'm the not, Beatles, the Beatles. Yeah. I mean, well, they they wanted to be famous. That's a different story. No, but the music is good. The music Obviously, is good. the music they made had. They, if they just want, this okay. is an important distinction. It's always if, important. All right. Yeah, it is important. <laughs> when when a good artist is doing their art and it's not driven just by the attention, they actually spend the time to I do know, it I right. Know, I know. I know. That, that, that you're you're kind of derailing again. Again, the point is that you do what you want. You send out the message, and the message will become something yes. on its own. I don't care that people. Uh, find my book Atheism Kills and, and soon to come Rise of the Sex, Sex Machines because it's Barack Lurie. Uh, I like the way he writes or anything. I, I want to get the message out. I'd rather people say, did you read the book Atheism Kills? It's a great book. It, that really will change the way you think because uh, I think it's important for people to understand the, the destruction of a world without God, the, the devastation of what happens. And it's not about Bible thumping. It's not about you know you know finding you know God in your life uh, in, in a religious you know yeah, there's spiritual no way. There's no proselytizing. There's no proselytizing. It's just simply to say, look, there's a reason why civilization got where it got, and we dare not you know throw out God, where God was the primary reason why civilization is where we are here. I mean, that's why I give my example of like you know you're in the helicopter and you decide you don't need the the helicopter blades anymore. It's it's madness. You will not ascend without those helicopter blades. And the same thing is true about God. That's my mission. And that's, that's what I find fascinating. And I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it to, to send a message. And it was a bestseller. I'm very happy about that. But I, I, I almost didn't care. I'm certainly not doing it for the money. I'm not doing it for the notoriety. I'm doing it to get the message out and to have a voice out there because I see it differently than many other people. I think differently. That's, In other that's words, the way it you're is. doing it because the message matters. Right. Right. The message is what matters. Yes. And same thing with Rise of the Sex Machines. Yeah. It's a and very as, important message. Vessel, it's a very important message. Right. Please, you, you just got to let me get through this. It's a very important message about, about the changing nature of sex and relationships. We are going to be doomed if we do not understand who we are. And this conflict between mattering and the need for an orgasm, it's really fascinating, and it's going to lead to a very devastating result. The only people who will survive and are, who will be able to resist, more importantly, are those who are truly uh, faithful and religious and have an understanding of God in their lives. Look, uh, the mattering is so important, uh, and, and this, we've already established that mattering is truly, when you think about it, it's the only thing that truly motivates ourselves. It is the greatest human need. You know, I'm not talking about thirst or hunger. I'm talking, those are survival needs. Beyond the survival needs, your greatest instinct is to matter. You, you have a, a sense of yourself, and you want to matter. Right. You're talking about the reason why you why we have stay it. Yeah. alive kind of thing. That's right. Beyond staying yeah. alive. And, and, and this is why boys, in particular boys, are so lacking in, in success these days. They are dropping out of high school like flies. Uh, they, they are not matriculating into college. Um, there's affirmative action going on now for boys in college and graduate school, uh, it, it, other than the, um, the military. Right. The streets uh, of fat. Los Angeles are teeming with, if you will, boys 
you know, young men between the ages of 18 and 30 strung out on drugs in gigantic numbers because they've essentially dropped out because obviously somewhere along the line, they feel that they don't matter anymore. That's exactly right. The system, particularly the education system, has abandoned them, have, has simply left them. And they've decided, look, boys have had their turn and uh, all that stuff. I don't think they, they do it purposefully necessarily, but they, they don't even realize that if you're going to elevate girls, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But you also have to leave something in the goodie bag for the boys. And they haven't left anything in that goodie bag. It's bad. So boys don't know why you know, there's anything to do. They, they, they're not being told you can be something special. Uh, they're, until, they're told instead that they should be able to cry. Should, they should be able to come out of the closet. That's Sit their version. Quietly. Of yeah. Well, that's a different story. They're, they're told that to be courageous and brave is to come out of the closet <laughs> to, and to cry and to express your feelings. And to get a sex change. And we'll yeah, I'll be transgender and we'll celebrate you for those things. But the, the notion of uh, taking on a challenge that you can't, that, that you're afraid of doing, such as and conquering that hill or fighting bad guys, uh, that's out, uh, you know, out with guns, of course, that there's no, you can't even draw a gun. So the notion of heroes in the military, heroes in history, it, it ain't there anymore. And that's what boys resonate to. And then they, they don't have a sense of mattering. Yeah. The exception is, right. the exception is those boys who have God in their lives, if they have a true sense of God in their lives, they're going to be okay. But the problem is that very few, first of all, public schools have, have ostracized God along with the boys in public schools at the very least. And it's, it's devastating. And parents just don't see the relevance of God in their lives. They don't go to church. They don't go to synagogue. Uh, there are more pe people who uh, describe themselves as nuns, N-O-N-E-S, meaning that they have no affiliation with any religion whatsoever, uh, atheist, but without the intensity, let's say. Uh, and then they're surprised that their their boys, especially, have no sense of purpose. Yeah, they're lost. They're, they're and, totally they're, they're yeah. lost boys. And what do they do? Not just the boys, but also the girls too. In a world where there is no God, they end up becoming progressives, because progress suggests that there's an opportunity yet again to matter. There's that word again. That's why they join Antifa. That's why they get involved in environmentalism and why they want to save the whales and they want to ban the plastic straws, uh, why they, they insist that there's no distinction between men and women. They'll fight for that. And they, they cry in the streets for gay marriage, even though nobody cares about marriage anymore. Uh, it's, it, they get involved in every protest and they have an opinion about every single issue. And they, 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 you know, they, they will be very violent at times. Why? Because they're doing something. They feel like that by doing something, they are mattering. And, and how can you say I don't have value in my life? Because look at me. I'm, I'm smashing windows and I'm fighting the, 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 those the damn fascists. fascists. Yeah. And that's why they don't want to talk to you about it. Because if they talked about it and they realized not only that, you were, uh, that you're reasonable in your approach, but that you might be right in your approach, that would take away their very purpose of, of mattering. You, you were literally taking away their purpose. Yeah, it would show them that all of this energy, all of these pursuits, this decade and a half since I was five years old of this journey I'm on, this spiritual growth, was nonsense. Yeah. It's the same dynamic as people who are, I don't want to name a particular cult, but just think to yourselves, any cult you can name offhand. 
any of their names. The Moonies. The Moonies, Scientology, oh, Heaven's Gate, whatever they are. And then think about what happens to a cult member who's deprogrammed and finally comes back to life. And they have that regret of, I just spent the best years of my life servicing something useless. Yeah, useless and, and, and having, a, having been abused and, and in some cases raped right, over and, and over again. And being destructive and harmful. Yeah, it's terrible. Myself and others, yes. So mattering matters. And you have to, if you understand that that is your greatest human need, uh, and that with God, you have great opportunities to not only matter, but to do things in a humble way. You see, these great thinkers like Dennis Prager and Ben Shapiro and such, they don't do it for themselves. They don't, they they are, they are, uh, you know, walking humbly with God. They're very selfless. They're actually doing it for others because what they do matters. Right. They want to get the message out, and, and that's the appeal of it. People sense the genuineness of what Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager and Rush Limbaugh, for that matter. And you. Thank and you. you. I appreciate yes. that. But no, seriously, they're, they're much bigger than I am. But nevertheless, uh, they sense the sincerity of it all. They, they sense that, that there's a true purpose to what they're doing, and it's, it's not the man. It's the, it's the message. And that's why they're so successful. Uh, they don't give a damn about whether or not they make tons of money. That's not why they're in it. Uh, and the fact, and, and ironically, because they're, they're they don't do it for the money, they get the money. <laughs> uh, so and God bless them for it. That's that's what makes it so wonderful. They're meeting a demand, and the demand is for the message of clarity, for the message about God's word, the message of mattering. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Brock Lurie. We'll talk with you next week. Let's do it.